Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week. And we're talking about the Eagles draft class today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 331. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell about each and every one of the Eagles selections in the 2021 NFL draft. What did they put on tape in college and how did they transition to the NFL, namely in this Eagles scheme? We're going to cover it all right at the top of the show. Before we get there, though, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. First up, I always ask you guys, and I'm going to do it once again, head on over to our Apple Podcast page. Throw us your support with a rating and a comment. If you've got a question, if you've got a request or something you want to hear us talk about here on the show, now's the time. Jump on. Let me know. Just leave your request in the comment section, and I will fulfill that request in the next couple of weeks. Also, we'll be continuing our reactions to the 2021 NFL Draft over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So if you want Ben Fennel and Dane Brugler's thoughts on all of the selections, we're going to hit on them there. And we'll also be diving into the picks from all around the league and really dive into the whys behind certain picks, scheme fits, team building philosophy, all of that. Also, some of my favorite Journey to the Draft episodes are right on the horizon. Our journey series where we go back and revisit all of the times we talked about the newest Eagles before they became Eagles. So you can get our analysis on those players before they arrived here in Philly and kind of follow their journey for a number of those players all the way up through their careers in college, through the pre-draft process, all the way up through draft weekend. So stay tuned for those coming out on the Journey to the Draft podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. All right. Enough about Journey. Let's get to this show. It's time now to dive into the man, the myth, the legend, Greg Cosell in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, excited to now welcome in my friend Greg Cosell to talk about this Eagles 2021 NFL draft class. And Greg, uh, it was a crazy three days. Uh, How'd you hold up? You know, I'm a little worn out, friend. I got a couple more days of grinding through some stuff just for some stuff I got to do. But uh, we, we've both been going at it pretty hard for quite a while. So that's, it, that's it'll, right. Yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to get a, at least a little bit of a break. Uh, I did say on set uh, yesterday after we finished up uh, with the third day of the draft, I said, all right, now it's the off season. <laughs> like, right. well, like, quite, yeah, I have another assignment here at film, so I'm not quite I can't just say, OK, I'm going to take some time off. But yeah. Uh, but it'll be a little different because I've been I think I've seen overall and as the draft kept going by and we get into the fourth and got into the fourth and fifth round, I was like, wow, I've seen these some of these guys. So because I think I've seen about 225 players. There we go. It was. Uh, yeah, it's and the Eagles obviously came away uh, with some really impressive players. And we'll start uh, in the first round where the Eagles trade up from number 12 to number 10. They trade ahead right. of the New York Giants to select Alabama wide receiver. Devonte Smith. You and I have talked about Devonte Smith over on the Journey to the Draft podcast plenty uh, over the course of this offseason, but uh, now that he is a member of the Eagles, excited to kind of get your overall thoughts on Smith and then also how he projects to what we think this offense could look like under head coach Nick Sirianni. Yeah. As we've discussed, there's nothing to dislike about Smith's receiving trades. He's high, high level as a receiver. The only issue was how you felt about his 166 pounds, because that does make him an exception and it does make him an outlier. Mm. Now, people, of course, have said that, 
Well, and I think because they saw him play so much on TV at Alabama, winning national championships, they just assumed he's great and that the 166 doesn't mean anything. It may well not because he's really high level in terms of traits. I mean, you're dealing with a guy that uh, is, is really smooth. He's deceptively sudden and explosive. Uh, we don't know what his 40 time is. It's irrelevant. He played fast. He's a very easy accelerator. He's straight line explosive, both as a route runner and run after catch. He's got great play acceleration and speed. We know about his hands. He's got great hands, made a ton of tough catches away from his frame. He tracked the deep ball really well, great body control. Um, there's nothing not to like about Devonta Smith. So now you, you, the question becomes, how is he best deployed within the context of an offense? He's 166 and he's a strider. So to me, He's best deployed as what we call a Z receiver, meaning he's off the ball. He's not right on the line of scrimmage because the Z receiver goes in motion. What you want with Smith, to me, is to get him in a situation where he has free access and he can stride right off the snap. Mm -hmm. Now, did he win against some press in college? Yes, he did. Were there other snaps against press where he was handled a little bit physically? There were some of those as well. So to me... It's not that you can never line him up as an X on the ball. Yep. You can at times, of course. But I think to, to really take full advantage of what he brings to the table, you want to get him in a situation where he clearly has free access and he can stride out right off the snap of the ball. That, to me, is where he's at his best. You know, it's funny, just kind of staying on that topic of, like, the press coverage thing, because it's funny. I, I was, I've was i been thinking about it a lot over the last few weeks, and I feel that it's both, and it's this is an oxymoron to say this, it's both an overplayed topic and also an underrated topic, if that makes right. sense. Because mainly, yeah. like, I feel like people will say, and it's because you know how it is. We want to paint things with uh, an oversweeping black or white brush, right? He, sure. he either can never do this or he will always do this. He is either great or he's terrible. And, you know, I think there was a, a stat that I, I was listening to a podcast. Um, I believe it was from PFF. I think it was Mike Renner uh, that it said, hey, look, the, the most that a receiver was pressed in 2020 was like 52% of the time he was pressed 52% of his snaps. Right. So you're talking about half and half. It's not necessarily about, oh, like this guy's always going to get pressed in the line of scrimmage no. and he's never going to be able to get free. It's those high leverage situations. It's those, you know, it's third and long and in the red zone. And now you're going to see press man coverage. You know, can you win in those scenarios? But when I think about Devontae Smith in the structure of this Eagles offense and going back and watching Nick Sirianni over the course of his career, whether it was in Indianapolis or with the LA Chargers, they do a great job, even with guys like Keenan Allen, of using stack sets, moving guys oh, around, getting guys yeah. free access up to the second level. And so that's why I've got a lot of faith that, you know, if you do have those concerns, you're going to find ways to be able to coach, you know, not necessarily even coach the technique, but negate it, you know, to make it so it's not an issue. And by the way, it also becomes opponent specific. Not yeah. every team lines up and plays press coverage right. a high percentage of the time. So you might have an opponent that doesn't do that, and you can line Devonta Smith up as your ex. Yep. Um, so it's it, that's why I made the point that it's not as if you can never do that. Of course exactly. you can. Exactly. Yep. Now, every once in a while, you might face a team where they play a lot of press and they have a really good corner. So maybe in that particular matchup, he's not playing X a lot. But it doesn't mean he can never, ever do that. Um, but to me, just in general, if you're just talking about his skill set, Fran, he's a strider. 
and you want to get him cleanly into routes mm -hmm. because that's where his play speed, his play acceleration really shows up. See, to me, his 40 times irrelevant. He runs routes fast. Yeah. And to me, like the one thing I wrote down, because there was buzz about a year ago or after the 2020 draft and, you know, kind of looking forward here to this season, uh, a lot of people, you know, looked at Devontae Smith and said, hey, look, he is, uh, you know, at his size, the rumors were, oh, he's in the low four fives. But then I remember one of my big notes that I, after I wrote down after watching him last summer was he plays bigger than his size and he plays faster than he reportedly yeah. times. And I think that that absolutely yeah. matches up. We never got a reported or an official 40 well, time on well, him. the tape shows that. Exactly. Shows that. That's it. I mean, he goes up and gets the ball. Yep. I mean, he makes contested catches. No, that's why I started out by saying he has great receiving traits. There's nothing not to like about his receiving traits. Yep. So, yeah, no, I think as a receiver, he's a really, really good player. Uh, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, uh, shared a, an anecdote from when he was in Seattle. And he said John Schneider kind of looked around the room and said, all right, guys, outside of his height, does anyone have any issues with Russell, us taking Russell Wilson? Right, and the answer was no. And the answer was no. And I feel like he said, right. he kind of correlated that to Devontae Smith and said, yeah. uh, I feel like that's going to be the case in a lot of draft rooms. And clearly uh, with the Eagles, that was not uh, that big of an issue. And he's got outstanding. No, and and obviously well. there was a lot of talk that Dave Gettleman was interested in Smith, which is why yep. the Eagles made the trade. And, and they, to me, they got a really, really good prospect. Yep. Uh, the, and I think the one quote that stuck with Eagles fans as well, I saw get a lot of buzz, was the fact that uh, Nick Sirianni said, Look, at the end of the day, receivers need to catch the ball, and this guy catches the ball. He The, the ball yeah. almost rarely hits the ground uh, you know, with Devontae Smith. So uh, that will be music to Eagles fans' ears as well. Um, all right, let's get to the second round here. And his teammate, Landon Dickerson. Yeah. Interesting to get your thoughts on him, watching him on film. We know that there are medical concerns, right? We know the injury history. But I want to get your thoughts because I know for, from your standpoint, your process, you're just looking at the film. What does right. he show on film? I, he was a fun guy to watch, I thought. I mean – um, I think he's a little more of a phone booth guy than necessarily a phenomenal movement guy, but you're dealing with a guy that is physical, nasty, aggressive, both in, in as a run blocker and in pass protection. And his size is a major attribute. Yeah. I mean, he's six, six, three twenty six. Um, and when you're playing inside, I think the arm length issue is not a big factor like it is for tackle. So, yep. so that's not really a factor now. I would say he's not a high-level athlete, but I think he showed more than enough functional mobility um, to be able to do certain things in the run game. And I thought he compensated uh, in, in pass protection with a great feel for fronts and, and pressures. He knew what he was seeing. He knew how to react to it. Um, he's got a competitive toughness and physicality. You know, Jeff Stoutland will love him. You know, in that O-line room, they will love this guy. To me, he had the look of a player that's a tempo setter for a an entire O-line. The more I watched this kid, the more I liked him. Big, physical, competitive. Um, he was really good executing reach blocks, which is critical in his own run game. And I thought in pass pro, if he was uncovered, he went after people. I mean, there was nothing, again, we talked about Devonta Smith. To me, there was nothing really not to like about Landon Dickerson. And in fact, interior alignment don't have to be great athletes. Yep. Uh, and I, I just thought this kid was was really, really a good player. Uh, you talked about the one aspect of it that I find to be so attractive about Landon Dickerson. You, you talk about the physical on-field skill set. But then uh, when you talk about 
you know, there's a term that scouts will throw around that he's a pied piper. He's a guy that everybody else kind of rallies around. Devontae's yeah. kind of seen that way as well. Uh, to get that kind of player for a team that's in transition, uh, a little bit of an older roster, you're trying to bring yeah. in young guys that can be cornerstones. Dickerson has that feel. He's got that profile, right, where he's a guy that can be that kind of player in a locker room. Yes. No, I, I really, you know, again, no player comes in as a finished product. No yep. player has no flaws in his game. You could say, as we said, he's not necessarily a higher level athlete. There were a couple of times watching the tape and, you know, you and I both probably watched a ton of Alabama tape Yeah, um, that you, you might have said, geez, a little heavy footed in pass protection. Um, you know, his, at times his balance and his base were compromised. Um, could there be some really quick one techniques or even depending on fronts where three techniques move inside to a one technique where he, he might struggle here and there? That could happen. Mm. But overall, I think you're dealing with a, a really high level interior line prospect who could play center or guard. Yep. Um, and just the, the competitiveness, the toughness, the attitude. You know, that's one thing I've learned. I never fancy myself, Fran, as you know, as an offensive line guru, but you and I, you know, we've talked to a lot of people who are. Yep. And, you know, one of the things I think inside that I've learned over the years is it's not about being a dancing bear and having sweet feet. Hey, if you do have that, that's great. It's great. But yep. you don't have to have that. You've got to battle. You've got to compete. You've got to fight. You've got to be competitive. You've got to be physical. And he checks all those boxes. So let's flip the sides of the line of scrimmage here for the Eagles' second day two pick, and that's Milton Williams, the defensive tackle uh, from Louisiana Tech. Uh, this is a guy that you and I were both big fans of studying yeah. the film. Uh, when you talk about sweet feet and dancing bear, he's got some of those traits, right? Obviously not as big as Landon Dickerson. He's in the 280s right now. When we watched him on film, he was in the, the mid-260s, low-270s. Uh, but this guy is dripping with explosive twitch, uh, the ability to get out of his stance and make oh, plays yeah. on the opposite side of the line. Uh, a really, really fun, intriguing player to study. And say what you want about measurables and pro days, but when you're 6'3", 284 and run a 4.63, that that tells you that you're, you're a pretty athletic dude. You got some juice. You got some juice. I mean, I, I made the point in my notes, he's a smooth, fluid athlete with natural quickness and agility and change of direction. I mean, and he's got extensive experience as a multi-positional player, yep. playing DN, playing D-tackle. My guess is he's probably seen as a three technique. Um, I also thought that he, he played with leverage and his hand usage was pretty good. You saw him control and displace alignment. And, and where the athleticism comes in is he was able to maintain his balance, you know, when he was uh, playing off contact. Um I think that he needs a little work as a pass rusher, yep. I, you know, and again, he played at Louisiana tech, you know, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean he can't be a really good player, but um, I think the twitch and the movement doesn't, didn't consistently come out as a pass rusher, but it's there. Um, I think he could also be a four, three D end. If you, you know, in certain situations, if you really want him to, um, I think he's just a really intriguing prospect. I mean, this kid, you you were the one who told me about him um, back. Oh, I don't know. You probably told me about him in, in early March, you know, and and then I that's when I put the tape on. And he was a fascinating guy to watch. I, I really think there's a lot there. There's a lot to unlock and unleash with this kid. You know, I watched him. It was like late January, early February. And after studying him and even just like listening to you kind of go through your notes on him, the player that he really reminds me of. And, and even again, reminded like when you're going through your notes, 
Malik Jackson. And we, you and I both watched Malik Jackson when he was coming out of Tennessee. He was a DN, D tackle, yeah. you know, kind of a hybrid player. And it's yeah. not just about the athleticism. You know, there were other three techniques in this draft that maybe were more productive, but they were kind of, you know, for all intents and purposes, they were one trick ponies, athletic kids get into the backfield and try and make a play. But you talk about Milton Williams, his ability to be violent on contact. He'll, he'll you know, stick his hands uh, into the chest of an opposing offensive line and change the line of scrimmage, play through contact. He's got the, a lot of those same traits that Malik Jackson had. And Malik Jackson ended up, I think he was a fourth round pick coming out of Tennessee by the Denver yeah. Broncos. Uh, I look at, I look at Milton Williams. Uh, this guy has a really high upside, a, a guy I'm a big, big fan of. And I'll tell you what, the one thing that really stood out to me, and I'll tell you a really quick story, is sure. uh, Milton Williams, to me, he was rarely off his feet and on the ground. Yeah. You know, with great balance and body control. And I remember being out and going to a clinic that I got invited to at, um, it was at Arizona State. And it was actually when Dirk Cutter, who I know, he was the head coach at Arizona State. Okay. And he actually brought out the Baltimore Ravens defensive staff to give his coaches and others a clinic. And I got invited out. And one thing, Marvin Lewis at the time was the DC for the Ravens to show you how far back this goes. I was going to say, yeah, we're going back a ways here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that was a great trip. I, you know, sure. really learned a lot, but I remember Marvin Lewis standing up, giving his, his talk. And one of the things I never forgot is he said, you know, you got to stay on your feet when you're a D lineman. He says, yeah. you can't make any plays when you're on the ground. Yeah. And I never forgot that. And it's something I've always taken with me when I watch the alignment, mm. you can't make plays on the ground. And then Milton Williams was rarely off his feet. Let's go, let's stay on the defensive side here and move into day three and talk about Zach McPherson, the cornerback the Eagles drafted in the fourth round from Texas Tech. Yep. Uh, you know, I think this is a player that's that's interesting, a Penn State transfer, solid across the board. I wouldn't say that there are any special traits here, but a guy that I think checks enough boxes to make you think that he can be, he's he can stick in the NFL and contribute. I'm interested to see the role that he's able to play, uh, whether it's year one or you know, even by year three here with this Eagles defense. Yeah. And so the question is, you know, what is he? Because he played outside, he played slot corner, he had snaps at safety. Um, what is, you know, how did the Eagles see him? I'd be very curious because you're hundred percent right. And again, we're getting later in the draft. So obviously we're not going to sit here and say, wow, this guy's the great at, you know, otherwise he wouldn't have been a fourth round pick. That's right. So, I mean, you know, he's not a high level athlete. Just as you said, he possesses no special traits that jump off the film, but he's got outstanding versatility. He can line up in a lot of places. Um, there were times he did look really, really good. I remember seeing an interception against TCU where um, he was an off-man coverage versus the boundary X receiver, and he played it to perfection. He played his technique perfectly. I don't know if you saw that play or remember that specific play. There, um, were, there were a couple interceptions that, stood, that I wrote down in yeah. my notes where he was uh, able to peel off his receiver and make plays, uh, you know, kind of overlapping for one of his teammates in zone coverage. And I, I thought that was something uh, that right. really stood out. I don't know if that was one of those plays no, or no, not. This was this was where he just was playing pure off man Beautiful. against Got the it. boundary X, and Got he did it. a really good job of playing with leverage, squeezing the receiver to the to the sideline, and then locating the ball. It was just it, you probably couldn't teach it any better. Hmm. Um, but I think there'll be some questions, you know, as to what he is, because there'll be questions about his long speed if he's playing outside corner to run with vertical routes. Um, you know, you, I thought that at times he looked a little segmented, you know, in, in terms of changing direction. Um, there were times he lost contact with the receiver when he was the slot corner. So, again, you're dealing with a guy that is very versatile, 
has some positive traits. You know, he was physical. Um, with him, like I said, to me, I'm curious as to how the Eagles see him because they drafted him for a reason. And I, we won't know what that reason is just now, but I'm curious how they see him. And what I love, too, this was kind of a theme for some of the guys that the Eagles drafted last year, was that uh, he has got the, he's one of those high-floor players. He's played almost 500 snaps of special teams in his career. Yeah. And again, you have some of those athletic traits. You've got solid size. Uh, so for a guy like that, you think, okay, at the very worst, even if he doesn't hit as a as a starter, you know you've got a backup corner with special teams ability, be a core four special teams guy. Um, so I, I think you look at that with McPherson and say, all right, like very no least question. that's what he can be. Now let's see what else he can be to reach his ceiling. Compassionate and trusted care, clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of Novacare rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at Novacare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose Novacare. So can you. Novacare, the power of physical therapy. One guy that I know you had to be excited about, because I know I was excited about, uh, and that was the fifth-round selection, Kenny Gainwell, the running back ah. uh, from Memphis. Uh, let's talk about Kenny Gainwell. Uh, I was I know- texting with, like, you know, five people as soon as they uh, got Gainwell. Outstanding. Gainwell. And again, you know, people, I hope they know the way I am. When I say I really like a guy, I mean, it's not like a personal, you know, uh, thing. It's just from the tape, you know? Yep. Um, yep. I-, I thought that he's got a really high level combination of running and receiving traits. I mean, he's, he's to me was the best receiving back in the 2021 draft class. Mm. Um, he's not Alvin Kamara in terms of his pure athleticism and explosiveness. So I don't want people to think that when I say that he's out, that he's can be deployed like Alvin Kamara, that they think I'm saying that he's the same guy, right? He's not the same guy. Kamara is better, but he can gain well, can be deployed the same way. Um, he's got multiple run game experience. He can line up all over the formation as a receiver. Um, I know you watched him. He lined up, you know, as, as a split receiver and ran three level routes. I mean, yep. he ran short routes, intermediate routes, vertical routes. He looked like a receiver. That's it. Um, I just thought that, I mean, we saw him make tough catches on back shoulder fades on vertical routes. I was really intrigued by this guy when I watched his tape. And when I watched him, I I watched him last summer and then just redid him, you know, but I watched him last summer for the first time. Um, I knew nothing about him, zero. Mm -hmm. And I was just watching the tape and was, you know, wow, this, this kid just fits today's NFL game. When you think of how he fits into this offense, you know, I I look at, again, look at Nick Sirianni and look at Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, both of those offenses, where they came from, Steichen coming from the Chargers, how they've used Well, you think of Naheem Hines and and Austin Eckler. That's it, yeah. Two guys you think of. um, I think Gainwell could be better than either one, although Eckler is a really nice player. Right. Um, uh, so, you know, I think you could probably think in those terms. In terms um, of usage. Like, you know, in usage, terms of like, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Their ability yes. to find ways to get him the football in space as a pass catcher. I mean, there's a background with the coaching staff of how to deploy Kenneth Gainwell. Right. This is not like, oh, we drafted a guy, now let's figure it out. Right. You know, they have a background of how to use him. And I, I remember te- I was texting, uh, you know, with my buddy Matt Bowen from the matchup show yesterday when they made the pick that we were talking, you know, Let's put Gainwell and Sanders out on the field at the same time. Yeah. Let's see how defense react, defenses react. Because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get information before the snap of the ball. 
are there certain teams that have had success doing that? Yeah, that you could think of in terms of like the pony sets with with two tailbacks yeah. in recent memory. Boy, not a, you know, it's funny. Not a lot of teams do it, believe it or not. So I can't think of one offhand. Yeah. But I know that the Colts did it. The Colts definitely did it. Right. You'd have Hines out there with Taylor. They'd they'd have him out there when they played the the other kid, Jordan Wilkins. You know, so the Colts have done it. So mm. that's in Sirianni's background, and and. I think you're going to see it. All right, let's get to uh, the sixth round here. And Marlon Tui-Pelotu, the defensive ah. tackle uh, from USC, a player you and I both liked on film. Uh, and I know our friend Dane Brugler was very, very high on Tui-Pelotu as well. We've talked about him a lot over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Uh, get you to get your thoughts on Tui-Pelotu and how he makes that transition to this Eagles team. Another guy that was kind of virgin territory for me. I really like this kid. I didn't know what to expect because, you know, I really I had studied his teammate, Jay Tufele, quite a bit. And yeah. he was the first pick, I think, in the fourth round, uh, the first pick of day three. You know, player I really like, but Tui Piloto, I wasn't I didn't know much about. Mm. I really like this kid. I mean, he played one technique. He played three technique, zero technique, four I, two. I mean, he played multiple D tackle positions. Um I thought he had really, really good quickness. He flashed off the ball explosiveness. He fits in a one-gap defense, which I believe the Eagles will be. Um, I thought he played with balance. I thought his hands were quick. He controlled and displaced blocks in the run game. He found the ball. He played off contact. Um, he made plays down the line of scrimmage. I love the way he played. His motor was playing, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, great playing personality. Um I think that we saw some speed to power. We also saw him um, with lateral quickness as a pass rusher needs to develop that more. Um, But I really felt like he was a fun player to watch. And I thought his tape showed that the the needed traits to play um, both one gap and two gap, if you wanted him to do that on occasion. So I I really liked it. Yeah, a versatile player. You love yep. the you, you mentioned the play personality. Uh, this is a guy that you know, a redshirt junior who came out. He's got some quick quick twitch to him. I think he's yep. getting rightfully so. He's being billed as our run defender first. I think there is upside there uh, for a guy that can be disruptive inside. Um, you know, especially when you talk about his ability to play a couple of different roles. And I think that versatility will serve him well in this scheme. And I think that when you look at Teron Jackson, uh, the sixth round pick from Coastal Carolina, you know, this is a pure power effort, leverage player, a guy that can go from A to B as opposed to trying to run around tackles. He's not going to be running around people. He is trying <laughs> to go right through your chest. And I want to ask you, for defense, you know, it, we've talked about this a little bit uh, this offseason. With the way that the ball is coming out so fast in yeah. offenses around the NFL, do you feel like teams that have those power rushers, that ability to, again, fastest way from A to B is a straight line, right? So the guys that can go right through offensive linemen, do you feel like that those guys have a little bit more value moving forward as we continue to see the RPO game, the, you know, the, the quick throws, the jets, the, the quick, the quick screens. Um, do you feel like those guys continue to have maybe a little bit more value as opposed to the runaround types? Well, it's funny you say that. I think they have more value on the interior hmm. because that's where you can really impact the quarterback quickly. If right. You can get inside right away. Um, you know, I think on the outside, I don't think it matters quite as much for the quick game, but, you know, rushing the quarterback is rushing the quarterback. The goal is to, you know, to impact the quarterback. Obviously everybody wants to see sack numbers, but you're trying to speed up the quarterback. 
you know, in Jackson with his build, he's 6'2", so he's not long. Yep. So ultimately, the question becomes, can he be an effective speed-to-power rusher? And so much of speed-to-power, as you know, is the way you use your hands. It's getting inside offensive tackles yep. because – once you get inside of a guy, even if he weighs you know, 40 pounds more than you do, you can move guys when you get inside of them. So the key thing is the ability to do that. Now, he'll have to develop more than just that, because obviously in the NFL, you if you just have one move, unless it's so ridiculously high level, it's tough to be effective. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they see him. Look, Brandon Graham is short. I think Brandon Graham is quicker, but you and I both know. As a first-round pick, first, yeah, right. First three, four years, too, of Brandon Graham's career, you know, it took him time to become Brandon Graham. Yeah, sure. So, look, when you're talking about, what is he, a fifth or sixth-round sixth, pick? Sixth, sixth-round pick, yep. I mean, look, you draft a guy in the sixth round, you know there's things he has to work on, and you know more than likely he's not stepping in right away and being a dominant player. Hmm. But, uh, you know, he has a particular trait that's good, speed to power. And then you see if you can, you know, make that better and add to it. And he's a player. He played almost exclusively outside for Coastal Carolina. Did right. get some reps uh, on the interior uh, at the senior ball. Because the senior ball was like short on D tackles this year. So uh, because this this draft class was short on D tackles this year. So we saw a lot of DNs slide inside, play as a three technique down in Mobile. He was one of those players. Um, and speaking of guys that uh, have some of that positional versatility, the, the final sixth round pick for the Eagles, LSU, former safety. Now he's going to, it looks like he's going to be making the move to linebacker for this Eagles defense, Jacoby Stevens. I know that you had studied him uh, over the course of this pre-draft process. What did you see from Stevens? What do you think about his transition to linebacker? Well, it probably makes sense because to be honest with you, I didn't think, I don't think his tape showed a whole lot as a safety. I, I struggled watching his tape. Now, I guess he uh, weighed 216 pounds at the senior ball. Um, so We'll see, you know, if they can get him up a little more than that. Um, you know, I thought when I watched his tape, I, I thought to myself, got to see a dime safety. That's kind of what I thought that his transition would have to be. But if you can get him up to 225, um, maybe he's a linebacker. That, that's always tough, tough to know, Fran, as you know. Yep. But it's also why he's a later round pick. I mean, you know, one of the things that did concern me watching his tape, and, and you have to think about this as a linebacker, is I thought he played over his feet way too much. I thought he, he played top heavy. I thought his balance wasn't very good, and therefore he didn't generate very much power. Now, again, as a linebacker, he I don't think he's being drafted to be a starting linebacker from day one. So um, we'll see how his transition occurs. But it might make sense for him to be a linebacker. I don't really believe he has safety traits. Yeah, to me, like when I watched him back in the summer from the their championship season from 2019, I, I put him immediately with my linebackers because, you know, while he showed, you know, yeah. he, he made some plays deep down the field and, you know, he made plays on the ball. But I saw him, you know, as a sub package because he, he essentially he was their dime safety. Uh, when right. they went to sub, he came down and played as a stacked backer. So you could see him kind of playing through traffic and navigating with bodies around him. It wasn't even like a, uh, you know, we've, we've had these discussions about like Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, you know, those kinds of uh, big, heavy slots uh, where he's just kind of running through space and chasing guys down. You saw him play in the box. You saw him play in traffic. And so I felt good about that transition. A guy I wrote down was Mark Barron uh, when I was studying him back in the summer. And I don't think that the senior film was quite as good as the junior tape, um, but he was listed 230 by LSU. I think he really wanted to try and embrace that that move. to. Or the, well, he looked much heavier on tape than, yeah. than he weighed. I mean, it's funny you say that because 
Um, I, it said, I made the note, Stevens weighed 216 at the Senior Bowl, which is significantly less than he looked on tape. So maybe he did play at 230. But again, I, I think to me, he's going to have to earn his stripes as a core special teams player before he has any chance to really be more than that. Yeah, I think that will certainly. And the other interesting too, he started games at receiver when he first got there. He was a, he actually started as a receiver, then moved over to defense late in his career uh, to over to safety, and now obviously uh, making the move to linebacker. So an interesting career trajectory there for Jacoby Stevens. Uh, last player here, another guy making the conversion to linebacker. It looks like that's Patrick Johnson uh, from Tulane, announced by the Eagles as a linebacker. Uh, he was a pass rusher. Four two, yeah. and I believe he finished his career as the leading sack artist in school history. Um, another guy, very very productive, different kind of skill set at six two, two hundred and forty pounds. I really like this kid's tape. I mean, I, I was surprised he was there when he was there, because yeah. um, I think this kid. I mean, again, you get into the fact that for in the Eagles' defense, he's a linebacker because of what their defense is. But you know, he, he you know who you reminded me of? Who's that? Shaq Barrett. Interesting. Okay, I could see that. I could definitely see that. I, I, I haven't thought about that. Shaq Barrett's 6'2". He plays defensive end, by the yep. way. Um, he's 6'2". This kid weighs maybe six, seven pounds less. But, I mean, this kid, you know, runs well. Um, good athlete. Um, natural quickness, both off the ball and at the point of contact. Strong rush traits. I thought he had flexibility. Um I thought he consistently showed the ability to challenge the edge with burst velocity, and he was able to flatten and close with speed. Um, you know, again, is he, is he, he's not as tall, but is he, did they see him as an Anthony Barr right. within the yep. context of this defense? If he can develop, because Anthony Barr was a bigger man, um, just in terms of height, obviously, and weighs a little more, but he came out of UCLA as a pass rusher and he became a linebacker at Minnesota. So I really like uh, Patrick Johnson's tape. Well, as soon as you start to do a position change, Fran, you have no idea. So I can't speak to what he can or can't become. I'm really interested by the Shaq Barrett comparison, because when I look at uh, Shaq Barrett coming out, I think people now think, oh, Shaq Barrett, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He's one of the heroes right. of the Super Bowl. But Shaq Barrett, when he came out of Colorado State back in 2014, he was 6'1" just under 250 pounds. So very similar size. And he kind of bounced back and forth between pass rusher, off-ball linebacker. There were questions questions about what his position would be when he was coming out of college. Now, obviously, well, uh, and Shaq Barrett, time to get there. Shaq got to the Broncos. They were playing 3-4. So yep. he was viewed as an outside backer in a 3-4. Then he gets to Tampa. They're a 4-3, and he's playing defensive end. Yep. So, yep. again, that comes down to what the coaching staff thinks. Yep. Um you know, Shaq Barrett is listed at 250. I don't know what he is. None of us know what he is. Right. Yep. Guys in the NFL. You know, obviously we know what Patrick Johnson was at his pro day. That's all we know. He was 6'2", 240. So, uh, I mean, I guess if the Eagles have already announced him as a linebacker, but, you know, obviously we have an offseason, we have training camp. So I can't speak to what he can be as an off-the-ball player. I can't speak. None of us can. He didn't do that. No, it's going to be a little bit of a transition for him. Was, um, but we'll see. Well, we'll see the usage. Because the other thing too to remember: uh, the Eagles made the the uh, the switch for Jannard Avery as well, who was a defensive end in the previous scheme. He's right. moving to linebacker. Similar kind of player and skill set. Right. All I know is I really like the player. I th I thought as an off the excuse me as an on the ball pass rusher. 
I thought this kid was had really good traits. Yeah, he's going to be a fun player to study uh, in the spring and summer once uh, you know mini camps, workouts, training camp uh, get going. Just to I see. mean, I, I, you know, a guy who I think was drafted in the third round, if I'm not mistaken, who I thought Johnson's traits were somewhat similar to was Malcolm Coons from yeah. Buffalo. Yep, no question. Yeah, I, you know, look, yeah. Quincy Roche and the Shaka Tonys. I put all those guys kind of in the same bucket. Uh, so getting him in round seven, uh, certainly a really intriguing selection. Well, Greg, uh, it's been fun kind of going through all these guys. A lot of work still left to do uh, yeah. for, in terms of watching them and watching them continue to transition. But uh, we will be doing that all the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Rand. Great stuff there from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at Eagles Entertainment. And you know how much I appreciate everyone that promotes this podcast on social media. That's one way to support the show. But the best way is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that. First off, Richard in Charleston, South Carolina, left a five-star review saying how much they love the, the show, so much valuable content. Eagles DJ left a five-star review saying, I am a football junkie and I always learn something when listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And then MTB932 also left a five-star review saying this podcast will help you understand football in the NFL no matter who you root for. I played college football, so I know more than the average Joe, and I still learn lots in every episode. So great stuff from all three of you. Thanks so much to Richard, Eagles DJ, and to MTB. Thank you. And thank you as well to everybody out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade for everybody here at the Duffy House. I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Fran Duffy, host of the Journey to the Draft podcast, where every week we're going through scouting reports, big boards, mock drafts, and figuring out how prospects transition to the NFL. Listen to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found.